1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard as we look back on another big weekend across Scottish football. Celtic knock Aberdeen for six to stay eight points clear at the top of the table heading into the international break. Rangers of course have a game in hand. They did cut the gap to five for a few hours after an incident-packed afternoon at Livingston. And there were big wins for Dundee, St Johnston, Hibs and Hearts as Motherwell's terrible run continues. I'm Gordon Duncan. Joining me tonight you have Andy Halliday and Roger Hanna. And what will we talk about, Gordon? Celtic score six, get a VAR penalty and watch Kyogo stagger off dazed and confused. Rangers score two, have two more disallowed by VAR and get two penalties. Lauren Shanglin scores two to deepen Motherwell's plight in Erna Scotland recall and Craig Levine works his magic to get St Johnson off the bottom and leave five teams within two points of bottom place. All of that... And Hugh Keevans is in day two of his super scoreboard birthday cake. What a weekend! Indeed, he is. Belated happy birthday to oh. our number one listener, um, as he will be yeah. tonight. Um, Andy, quite the weekend all across the board. Yeah, well, you can say that again. Plenty of talking points. I'm sure we'll get into them. Uh, Celtic go from a 6 0 thrashing in, in Madrid to thrashing Aberdeen 6 0. Rangers pretty comfortable in their victory as well. But most importantly, the Clyde 1 derby was on. Oh, no. And it's a Hearts victory. So I'm sure we'll get into a bit of that as well <laughs> One each for the season But um, that's all I've got to cling on to 01419511025 Pick up that phone right now And let us know what you're thinking There is so much to get through as the guys have said Even So if we start yesterday Celtic fans You've got the performance The six goals How pleased were you with, with what you witnessed overall There was Kyogo's injury uh, there is all sorts going on there in that game. You then go to Livingston, talk about incident packed. I think in a straightforward win, if you like. Uh, Rangers keeping the unbeaten run under Philippe Clement going. So, in a football sense, what did you make of that? Two penalties given, two goals disallowed. Try to keep up with the number of them there. Uh, so, please do get in touch there 01419511025. And anything else from the weekend, Motherwell fans, what on earth is happening? The good news is Halliday Benchcam was actually at Fir Park this week, so you've got an extra insight there as well. And it's international break. John Carver spoke today. Rangers' financial results are out. We might need to extend the show at this rate. 01419511025. Call us right now if you can. Please go on then. Set the tone. Set the scene for us. Result of the weekend, Roger. Hey, I was there for Super Scoreboard yesterday. Celtic 6 Aberdeen nil. If you're going to bounce back from a 6-0 defeat to Atletico Madrid, the best way to do it is a 6-0 win over Aberdeen. The Dons have been at Celtic Park three times in the calendar year of 2023. They've lost 4-0, 5-0 and 6-0. Barry Robson has problems with that squad, despite what they've done in Europe this season. But Brendan Rodgers can go into the international break content. Celtic are eight points clear again. Aberdeen fans, you might want to share your thoughts on it. Andy, your alternative to that result of the weekend... I think it might be a first for me Two weekends in a row I've went for Dundee uh, But I think it's a pretty f- uh, fair reflection on the weekend I think going into the game You'd have probably edged out St Myrna's favourites uh, Which had been harsh on Dundee Given their home record But you know, after the first round of fixtures Sitting joint fourth on the table I think Tony Dockett's done a, f- a fantastic job And they fully merited the victory Hard to argue Well done to Dundee Goal of the weekend What are you giving me? Well you know I, I like a bit of I like a team goal Or a bit of magic okay. So I've went for I've went for O's first goal 
And you could probably guess why it's the all on the cross The ball in for, for Lewis Palmer I've said a few times that I think Rangers might live to regret Not getting him over the line during the summer I think we're starting to see why I think he's shown real, real quality in a, That ball in for the first goal is his moment of the weekend as well as, as well as goal Okay, what are you going? Well, to try and spread the love a little bit I'm going to go to Easter Road on Saturday Hibs beat Kilmarnock 1-0 Josh Campbell, um, he'd struggled for game time Under Link Montgomery Came back in, got a goal at St Mirren last midweek Stayed in the team and got the winner And... Andy probably liked it A Hearts player can't say that About a Hibs goal yeah. Decent team goal Nice finish across the goalie He's back with a bang That's all well and good What was your howler of the weekend? Because we've had a few Let me go through my list of All the howlers we've got this weekend I'll just edge out David Monroe Since it involved The Clyde 1 derby The oh. decision To go to the monitor And not give Liam Boyce A penalty Was absolutely baffling And Do you, you must agree you oh, must agree. All My bench cam's got more to add to this later on the show and we'll get into it in deeper detail. All I've heard, all I've heard from you pundits all season is that referees should have the courage of their convictions and if they stick to their own decision, even if they go to the monitor, stick to their own decision. It finally happens yep. and you go and complain about it. Unbelievable. I've been welcomed that site as well, but not on that occasion because oh, it was a stonewall penalty. Talk about wanting your cake and eating it as well, right? I'll reluctantly admit that maybe... You should have had a penalty for that one. Roger Hanna, there was a few. What, what else are you giving me? Um, back to Celtic Park yesterday, Slobodan Rubizic. Um, that kind of challenge um, where Kyogo was hurt, Rubizic was booked. In my mind, lucky not to be sent off. That challenge needs to come out of football. Um, Stuart Kettlewell spoke very well about it last week. He's lost a couple of players at different times this season to nasty head knocks. Um, crossing sport, the New Zealand All-Black captain was sent off in the World Cup final for a challenge to the head of a South African player. Um, we can argue all day how much intent there was in it, but it was at force, it was at pace. For me, it was endangering an opponent and I think everyone at Celtic Park was just glad to see Kyogo get back to his feet and be able to walk off. Okay, I'm not sure everyone agrees, so if you want to get a debate about that going, you can. Same number, 01419511025. And finally then, let's give a bit of positivity. Spread the love, as you said. Who was your man of the weekend? Top performer, Andy. Again, I think there could have been a, a good few nominations, but I've went for Lauren Shankland, oh, sticking with the Clyde One Derby. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's um you know I think he came under a bit of unfair criticism. I don't think his performance levels were, were quite his top, but in terms of his numbers, I think I don't think it was too dissimilar to his numbers towards the start of last season. Then he went on that you wouldn't even say purple patch because it lasted about three, four months, but he came back with a, with a bang over the last couple of weeks. A, a double at the weekend, overall performance fantastic, and the news that he's, he's back in the Scotland squad, that's great. That is true. There has been a change to the Scotland squad. He's in in place of Shea Adams. If you want to get round to that stuff, you can. I'm sure we will later in the week as well. And last, certainly not least, Roger Hanna, your man of the weekend. Yeah, by, by a distance, Graham Carey of St Johnson. It was Great at McDermott sure. Park for Super Scoreboard at the weekend. Um, there was a bucket collection outside the ground to raise money for his wife's GoFundMe page. Rachel Bothwick is dealing with cancer at the minute. They are looking to fund some extra therapy for her, some extra treatment. I looked today, they're, they're aiming to raise £60,000. They've got an excess of £52,000 already. Um, to quote Craig Levine, this must be with Graham every second of every day. And for 90 minutes on Saturday, you would never have known 
a fantastic performance crowned by a fantastic winning goal though. as we said in the show on Saturday we wish them all well yeah well said and I know it's a bit of a cliche but it feels like the most appropriate way to explain it is that it you know, properly does put football into perspective we are probably about to lose all sense of perspective when we argue about things for the next couple of hours um, and I don't think there's always things wrong with that either but um, yeah all, well done to Graham Carey and all the best to him and his family after the weekend 01419511025 whatever you're thinking tonight phone us right now like Martin and Wisher has to kick things off Martin how are you? Um, good Gordon thanks good what's, um, your, what's your point tonight? lots to discuss from the weekend point, well hello Roger and hello Andy hi Martin hello Martin Roger you're one of the, you're the last cla- one of the last class acts in Scottish football <laughs> journalism mate <laughs> I'd just wow. like to pay you that compliment. Uh, th- thank you very much. I, I feel there's a butt coming here, Martin. No, I no, there so. isn't at all, mate. It's just, I'll, I've never ever phoned Clyde One before, and I've been listening to Jimmy Sanderson, uh, used to host the show. Um, <clears throat> I'm just calling out for a wee bit of protection for Scotland's most lethal marksman. That is Kyogo. Like, you know, after the assault on him yesterday, which I thought was shocking, the guy who, the guy who inflicted that assault on him was delighted with the yellow card. And he, I'm pre- I was at the game, right, and my brother said to me at the time, he knew exactly what he was doing there. I reserved judgment until I seen him on sports scene last night. And he made sure he got the ball, but he followed through and got Kyogo with his forehead, right? The forehead is the thickest bit of the skull, and he was aiming for the side of Kyogo's head. The run about the eye socket, that's the thinnest bit of the skull. Kyogo was very, very lucky. He wasn't very seriously injured. But the idea was to get Scotland's most lethal marksman off the park. So that way it was mission accomplished, but it didn't stop them from getting the doing that, that they eventually got. Um, right, I, well, let, let's, let's discuss. I must admit, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure these players have ever got time to think very quickly about what exact point of Kyogo's head, but let, like, let's, let's get to the... the... I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll go back to what Stuart Kettle said to me last week. Now... He will go back. He's lost Paul McGinn, Motherwell defender, for six weeks with a fractured cheekbone, Gordon. And it was a collision with Lewis Mayo of Kilmarnock. Now, Chuck Kettlewell said he did not believe there was any intent by Lewis Mayo to injure Paul McGinn. But Stuart Kettlewell was annoyed that purely the force, the pace, the speed, the, the ferocity of the challenge caused this player to be endangered. And the player ended up being out for six weeks. Now, I don't know, and I said at the top of the show, how much intent, if any, there was by Slobodan Rubicic at the weekend. I always say this. Intent is not not mentioned in the rules, really. We don't need to worry about intent. You you cannot be coming in at that pace with your head like that because it does endanger the opponent. We are talking, Gordon, now in 2023 that young school kids aren't being allowed to head the football because it can endanger them. So you imagine, you know, how dangerous it is in any sport. We spoke about rugby a minute ago. These challenges, and I spoke to Andy off air about it before. Andy said, what are footballers supposed to do? Not challenge for the ball. They're not supposed to challenge the ball for that. Andy, if, if that needs stamped out the game, get it out the I've game. Got a, I've got a feeling, like, I'm looking at social media, I feel like there's a lot of players who, who don't necessarily agree with Roger's take on it and, and think, you know, the ball's there to be won or whatever. What, what, what do you think about it? Uh, well, before again, yeah, I, I would like to say that the... The images and the video back are, are, are horrible. They're not they're not good viewing. It's it's really unfortunate to see Kyogo go off with an injury like that. You see from the collision, he was pretty much unconscious instantly. So I hope he's all well and I hope he comes back soon. Uh, for me, I think we're 
we're being harsh on the individual. I really do feel that. And my honest opinion is I don't think it is a red card. Because I do think as a defender, as a player, in the heat of the game, in the, in the tempo of the game, I think the ball's there to be won. I think both players are quite blindsided in terms of the contact. Kyogo, I think Rubicic is almost coming for, uh, for his right-hand shoulder. And I think Rubicic has got his eyes on the ball at the full time. I think uh, we've been very harsh to say he's aiming for a specific part of, uh, of Kyogo's head. Um, and listen... I think the collision is is really, really horrible to see. I think at Hearts we've had, I think we had four um, concussion uh, instances last year and I think it's just a part of a contact sport. Um, but I, I don't think I can say too many more than that. I don't think it's a red card. There, there was one, there was a horrible one. You said, you said it, was a ho- you know, it looks horrible. It was a horrible one earlier in the season. Remember Danilo scored at McDermott Park and yeah. Liam Gordon came over and made a desperate attempt to, to clear the ball. You're going to get head collisions in football. I think both Danilo and Liam Gordon went off and missed a period of time because of that. You, you, you'll get comings together, if that's the right phrase, and heads banging together. But I just thought in that area of the pitch, there was an absolutely no need for Slobodan Rubicic to come in with such pace. Look at, you know, look at some of the sendings off we've had in football in the last few weeks. Dyson Maida was sent off in Madrid. Marcus Rashford was sent off in Copenhagen. They're just two... Now, wasn't any intent there. They've been maybe a bit clumsy with a challenge, maybe a bit overzealous with a challenge or mistimed a challenge. Nowadays, in the days of art, those are red cards. Dyson Meyer's a red card, Marcus Rashford's a red card. For me, neither of those challenges endangers an opponent the same way as Rubizis' challenge did yesterday. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument, but I think if you, you'll see my comments, I don't think Dyson Meyer's is a red card. So I think that's all part of the... Uh, all part of the argument within within football and listen there has been changes in the laws in terms of heading the ball because uh, we do see the ramifications we've seen it with a couple of ex-pros down south leads years and years down the lo- uh, down the line so for me fair play and I do think it is yep. and I was just going to say I don't want this to become a, a witch hunt about the individual player Slobodan Rubicic far from it um, but I, the, that type of challenge in general needs to come out of the game um, Martin, bit of a split in here, a bit of a split in social media, a bit of a split everywhere. What do you think of right. some of the counter arguments? Because to be fair to Andy, um, it's, it's, it's delivered in a fairly balanced manner, but I take it you'll disagree with it. No, listen, Andy's. I expect Andy as a to stick, stand up for his uh, fellow professionals, right? I expect that for professional footballers. Um, like you know, I agree with Roger. If I can get back to my original point about some protection for Kyogo, can I take you back to the 3rd of September 2022 at um, the Glasgow Derby? Early on in that game, Kyogo was assaulted with John Lundstrom, but with his elbow. Like, you know, and I know you've got the technology uh, there, Gordon. See if you can back to, go back to that and get it up. I sometimes feel like we do. Even if you think it was a foul or whatever, that's, that's twice. The use of the word assault. Right, do we need okay, to maybe just right, like right. relax? I'll rein, a bit. I'll rein it in a wee bit though. But if you can get that up and you look at the incident that I'm talking about, John Lundstrom gets in with his elbow and he's aiming for, I would say, Kyogo's shoulder area, maybe even his collarbone. And when he gets up, see the challenge. Kyogo has to go off. So again, like you know, the plan was. Get, get Celtic's most lethal marksman Arthur Park I'll maybe help us It didn't help Rangers that day They could be 4 nothing. If you remember That was the day that Our ex-player Jota Scored his sublime chip Like you know But we had to We had to play The majority of that game Without Kyogo 
And uh, if you look at that instant, John Lundstrom gets up, has a wee sneaky look at the referee, thanks to yourself. I've got away with it See for no, gonna, see for no other reason than, than sort of time management Right Because you all know How this works We cannot now With all these talking points tonight Start an argument About a challenge In September last year Because that it, it will My get, challenge against McGregor Are we getting into that again? We could bring up your tackle <laughs> Against Callum McGregor It's just for everyone's own sanity I get why You want to raise the point Martin And I'm not dodging it Even though everyone Will accuse us of doing that But there's no point I don't think No For us debating that Listen that the, the bottom line tonight, is the good, the good news is Kyogo's fine um, I think he was in his Instagram Earlier on The young people Will be able to tell me that Saying um, Oh yeah there's quite There's a good translation out. They said the gods of soccer I think were looking down on him Yeah something along So those he's lines. okay I think he got, um, He said he doesn't really Remember anything about The incident at the time So the good news is He's fine mm. The good news is that In six weeks time Paul McGinn will be fine We'll be back playing For Motherwell Um but going forward, I think yep. the Stuart Kettlewell said we need to have a proper debate about it and we need to get challenges like this out of the game. Ross, what do you think? Uh, I think if we start looking at that as a red card, then you're going to damage football more than what it is already damaged at the moment. I think if that's getting sent to VAR for a potential red card, then I think you think you're going to have that problem where VAR for every head collision is going to be getting turned over into a red card. It's a nasty challenge and I, and I generally do hope he's alright But at the same time it's a 50-50 head, header And one guy came out better than the other So if you're, if you're wanting a red card for that Then I think football's doomed I've always, I've kind of always agreed And I know people don't tend to care what I think But I've always sort of agreed with you generally Roger, before, way before yesterday I feel like football needs to tighten up on ones that you know there's like a clear flick on for instance and then a good bit after the head comes in I suppose maybe why there's such a split yesterday it, that wasn't like that this is it's, it's, it's all about the force really rather yeah, than it, the, it, the it's not like the timing's Ro horrendous Ross used the phrase 50-50 I don't actually think it was a 50-50 because Kyogo is not quite static you're never static in a football pitch but he's not going with the same you know, Rubens is just mm -hmm. running into the challenge, whereas Kyogo is more or less static. Is so that is that, and again, devil's advocate sort of thing? Is that is that not just a natural thing that's going to then happen throughout a game where you know you can't always guarantee that two players are uh, going to have the same hundred uh, 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 same movement towards the, a ball? The, there must be a line where you think that there's a bit like challenges on the ground. You'll see a challenge on the ground and you'll say, oh no, no, that was too much. That's You can't have that. So even though he got the ball there, he's got the man, his studs have connected. But how many times so, do you see so that's you the know, aerial cha version? Challenge, challenges on the ground. That's what I'm saying. Is where this you, go, you go through a player to, to win the ball and you take man and ball, can't do that anymore. And Ross is saying if, if that becomes a problem, if that becomes a red card offence, it's going to change football more than it's already changed. Mm. Well, look at rugby. It has changed rugby. Look at that rugby world cup. Probably... More games than not, there were players either sent off or sin-binned for challenges where there was no great intent, but where the head was endangered. Yesterday, for me, Kyogo's head was endangered. To be slightly tongue-in-cheek um, amidst a serious conversation, I can't believe he's taking us down the we-need-to-be-more-like-rugby route. Yeah, Honestly, on this show, of all shows, have a word with yourself. That's poor have for you no self-respect? for you, Roger. Anyway, uh, thanks, Ross. Thanks, Martin. 0141951125. Uh, it is clearly a, a debating point that's got everyone going. There are loads of others out there as well. So if you've anything else for us, pick up that phone. We'll speak to you next. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call 0141 951 1025.
Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Roger Hanna and Andy Halliday are here. It's 01419511025. Loads of you out there are angry with Roger Hanna. Loads of you disagree with Andy Halliday. That's kind of the way it should be. Um, Jack says when Danilo had a head knock and his cheekbone fractured, there was no talk of the defender not challenging because it would endanger the opponent. Is Roger wanting that kind of challenge to be a red also? Well, no, I mentioned that challenge earlier on. I thought that was. You know, you're always going to get defenders making challenges like that. There wasn't the same force involved until we'll always have accident, a lot of force accidental things like that. Smashed Danilo's cheekbone, though. No? No. I, I genuinely don't think there was as much force. John is on the line. What do you think, John? Hi. Um, I'm just kind of shocked at the, the idea that people don't see this as, as a red card. I mean, I, I get ex-players are going to back ex-players, but... If the ball, the way I see it is if the ball was on the floor and two players on the grass, two players were coming in at each other and one misses and catches them on the ankle or on the shin, people are going to say, oh, that was a potential leg breaker and, you know, it's a red card, deserves it. But another player can smash somebody with their head, knock them out, and people are like, oh, no, ruin the game if you make that a red. I just, I, I don't understand how people aren't unanimous in saying that that is an utterly ridiculous challenge and it, sh- it should be a red. What do you think of the more general argument, Andy? If Take one step back from Kyogo and, and Rubicic. D- does football still have a a sort of um, a bit of a mental block with how we think about aerial, chal- aerial late challenges versus late challenges on the ground? And again, to reiterate, I'm not necessarily on about yesterday, mm-hmm. but it's just opened that thought process for me. Do we, do, do players still get away with more in the air than they do on on the deck? Maybe yeah, potentially. And and Roger mentioned earlier that he, th- he feels like a debate needs to happen in terms of in terms of uh, around aerial challenges. And I think that's fair. I think the data shows that when you see uh, the percentage. I can't, I, I can't crunch the numbers right now, but when you see the percentage ex pros that years down the line have the likes of dementia and memory loss and stuff like that. But again, I, I'm only just putting myself in that instance where. That ball's there to be won. I think 99.9% of footballers are going for it. And they, uh, we argue about this force all the time. I think when it is a loose ball, you're going to go in with any kind of force. Again, I echo horrible viewings looking them back. But then I, I, I'll pose the question to you two. What's, what's the change? What's the demand? Are we eradicating no, headers altogether? I'm, I'm just the referee of this debate. I'm going, to, I'm going to put the pressure on. Is it producer Michael that's on tonight? I think there's a few of them in there. Pressing yeah. buttons. If there's a few of them in pressing buttons, one fewer can press a button and they can maybe find Stuart Kettlewell's interview for last week because Gabriel Anthony Atsi was out there at Fir mm. Park as Stuart Kettlewell was speaking very well about this topic. He has already spoken to Crawford Allen, the head of referees at the SFA. He wants referees to be more alert to challenges like this, more aware of the danger of challenges like this. He feels the focus for referees has always been on challenges on the ground. Maida against Madrid. Rashford against Copenhagen, Halliday against McGregor, that kind of thing on the ground. Whereas he believes, and he was speaking in quite colourful terms, I think at one stage he used the phrase, would you rather have a broken ankle or a brain injury? Now that is obviously taking it to the nth degree, but that was the point he was making, that that there is a threat of real danger to footballers unless challenges like this are dealt with properly and taken out of the game. I think you're then falling into the realms that if you jump up for a header and someone wins it before you and you make uh, you make contact with the opponent's edge, you're getting sent off. Uh, that, that's, a way, that's the way I feel that goes. If you have the debate but is, on but is that the not extent what happens of brain injuries. 
But I mean, how can you eradicate? How can you eradicate going for a header of the ball? And if you don't make contact, then you're leading to offences and punishments. But that's what happens on the ground just and, now. And I debate strenuously. I said that about Maeda's tackle last week. Some of them are ridiculous. They are. Some of them are ridiculous. But again, that's where we fall into the interpretation of the letter of the law. It, necessarily won't agree with what my opinion should be a yellow or a red card but I don't know how you work around head injuries I, I, I really don't I'd love someone to come out there and, and, and try and help me around, you know fix a way around it maybe John can <laughs> and I, I, I don't I don't know all, all, all I'm hearing is this argument Andy's making as well it's essentially saying that he has the right to go for it the ball's there it's a 50-50 and the same way that Rogers arguing well the rules are there for this exact same type of incident if the ball was on the floor you can go for that 50-50 you can both challenge for that ball but if you miss that ball or if you go through that ball and wipe the player out take the ankle take the shin it's a red card I'm not saying you should ban heading but if you do that if you try to go for the ball and you cause such an injury as to somebody to be knocked out because not only was he knocked out with the force of the header but his face also smashed off the floor as well and everybody knows about the severity of head injuries these days. You have endangered your opponent by doing that. That should be a red card. Your intent shouldn't matter. What you have done is endangers your opponent and you should be off. No no one's saying ban heading or stop those sorts of challenges, but it at least would make a player think twice about trying to make another challenge like that and potentially causing another player a serious injury because, it, it, you know, that that was watching that was, was horrific yesterday. Let's hear what Brendan Rodgers made of it. He revealed Kyogo wouldn't go on international duty with Japan. Perhaps no real surprise there. At the time, he hadn't seen it back, but he said they'd respect the referee's decision to produce the yellow card. Yeah, yeah, fine. I think that it looked a, a nasty one, and Kyogo's one. So, uh, so he'll stay behind. He won't travel to Japan, and he'll be fine, I'm sure, in a, in a few days' time. And Yang, again, likewise, coming in at the back post and got bang in below his left uh, left eye but uh, but, but he's, he's okay yeah I haven't seen it back I, I think it was it's obviously one of those nasty ones the defenders come right through and if you're facing into it but um, but yeah listen he, um, they, they've had a look at it the officials so you have to respect that uh, John of course there was a football game in and around it where your team scored six goals um, there, you know, so there's no shortage of talking points uh, what did you make of the performance and the response to being on the wrong end of a six during the week? It was certainly good to, to have a good performance because we've not had that many especially in the league in the last few weeks so it was good to actually come back for you know, such an embarrassing defeat in midweek and actually I used to do that um, yesterday so hopefully that'll give us a good run up to the new year game mm -hmm. um, where we can hopefully keep you know putting pressure on and hopefully extend the lead come the new year I don't think you know Celtic still obviously regardless of what happens during the week Roger Celtic still going to that as major favourites just because of the footballing landscape in Scotland Aberdeen played on Thursday so you wonder if that could impact them, but even at that, was this was this a particularly convincing, impressive attacking display from Celtic? Yes, it was, and you have to give Barry Robson credit because I asked him after the game, did fatigue from Greece play a part? And he said, no, I'm not having that at all. Um, it was an especially poor performance by Aberdeen. But I, I looked up, Gordon, and there wasn't one minute on the clock, and every player, with the exception of Joe Hart, 
was within 35 yards of the Aberdeen goal. And that scenario hardly changed through the 90 minutes. It was like a tactical training session that Stephen Aismith will put Andy and the players through at, at, uh, at the Orium. Mm-hmm. Attack versus defence. That's what it was like. I remember Aberdeen... He's up very much on the the defence one <laughs> at the moment. He, he's very much in the Orium bench with a bench <laughs> cam uh, filming it. Just um, for clarity. Aberdeen went up the part twice. Johnny Hayes scored one wide in the first half. Miofsky had a nice little flick that Joe Hart saved in the second half. Apart from that, it was wave after wave of Celtic attack. Um, and I'm actually surprised it took them so long to score the six. Um, this is... I, I don't... You, you're much... Obviously much better at this stuff, Andy. Because the sort of sitting off the game and catching teams is when Aberdeen have been at their best. You, you mm-hmm. look at going to Ibrox, albeit Rangers were in a bad place. You look at Frankfurt... Uh, you look at the other night in, in Greece against an opponent that you, that you and your teammates know fine well are mm-hmm. good. Um, what was the balance between Aberdeen being too passive and Celtic just being really at it? Um, a bit of both, but I, I certainly do think Aberdeen were really, really passive. Uh, and, you know, Roger mentioned in the first minute, if you if you actually find out the heat map, the, the average positions of the Aberdeen uh, players in the first half, all 11 were in their own defensive half. The back three were literally the edge of their own D on their own uh, on their box. So I think that shows how much Celtic had them penned in and camped in. But at the same time, some of Celtic's tempo, intensity, interplay, their ability to find space, even though there was 11 players, I thought Matt O'Reilly was the best player on the pitch. And we're talking about uh, an Aberdeen side that had 11 players within 30, 40 yards of the goal and his ability to find space within that, that compact structure was pretty, pretty impressive. The second goal, Kyogo's goal before he goes off, Aberdeen have 10 players in their box when Kyogo scores that goal. Yet, again, we talk about his movement all the time, still manages to find space to tap it in the goal. And in terms of Aberdeen, really, really passive within their structure, didn't make contact to people, made it very, very easy for Celtic, in my opinion. And then, like he says, quite rightly so, a lot of their strengths and and their performances, Rangers, European football, has came from that defensive structure. But to me, they had an out. They had a way to get up the pitch. They had patterns of play whether it was spinning down the channel to Miofsky or playing through the wider uh, uh, wing-backs, the wing-backs didn't leave a back five yeah. and, and, and they found it really, really difficult to get up the pitch. I was going to say that, Andy, the, the wing-backs became full-backs because they couldn't leave became Palma sweep, and Yang. sweeper full-backs, I thought. Yeah, they, they, they just How, couldn't leave. And then, you know, so if they can't get forward to support Miofsky, you're going to have to look at one of the midfielders to go and support Miofsky. They were too busy running back towards their own goal because of O'Reilly's movement. And Miofsky, he was, he was 30 or 35 yards away from his closest teammate at times. How pleasing was it to see the impact of the, of the wingers in particular, John? You know, at a time when Maeda's just um, been laid down with an injury, Abada's obviously out, Jota left in the summer. Was it pleasing to see those two being so productive yesterday? Uh, it was certainly Palmer really uh, stuck out to me. Um, I, I can't remember who it was. Someone, I think it may have been Gordon uh, DL yesterday, said that uh, Palmer has made the Celtic fans forget about Jota, and I can see that to an extent because he does look like he's got the potential to really, you know, do some some great things in the team. Obviously, it's early still, but he just looks like he has that ability about him to to really go on and. And then do some good stuff. So, so watching him as as a joy because he just seems to be getting better and better by each game. Good man, John. It was hardly a quiet day in Livingston yesterday. So, if you've any thoughts on that one, now would be a good time to get them in. And whilst you do, let me tell you about this. Clyde one. 
It's a triple rollover on Make Me A Winner this afternoon. The call went to five rings unanswered and it could then be you now who's the winner of £114,000 when we make another call. But you need to be in the draw, obviously. So we've teamed up with our stations across the UK to bring you this £114,000 prize. And it's very simple. You text YES to 61025. The texts are £2 plus your standard network rate. You can enter at Clyde1.com. Online entries are £2. Or call 0330-880-4523. And the calls are charged at a standard rate as well. It's over 18s only. And the entries since Doogie won on Wednesday have rolled over. All the other rules for this network competition are online. So if you get the call after 3pm tomorrow, Tuesday the 14th, Answer within five rings. Say make me a winner straight away and the £114,000 could be yours. Text yes to 61025. 0141-951-1025. This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. 0141-951-1025. That's the number you need to join Andy Halliday and Roger Hanna. A lot been said already about Celtic at uh, Celtic's game against Aberdeen yesterday sorry at Celtic Park eventually we got to the performance and Yang and Palma and all the rest of it uh, of course a lot's been said about the Kyogo head injury at the beginning it was hardly a quiet day at Livingston either though Craig who's on the line what do you want to discuss tonight? So the main thing I want to discuss is VR in general but obviously from the aspect of that game at the weekend because it's the one that I saw much myself sure. so what it is is I think that VR it's too inconsistent. There's things that some teams are getting, other teams aren't. And I don't believe it's even in itself out. I think Brendan Rodgers is right. I think they either need to get rid of it, which will be very hard because obviously UEFA are probably saying that they have to have it along with other leagues in Europe. But we either need that or we need people that can run it properly rather than just throwing the referees in who we already said that we didn't believe were good enough before VR came in. If you look at that game alone, there was three incidents Two of them that VAR didn't even notice. So the first one, um, the, well, the first one VAR did notice, I think I had a look at it, was the penalty for Ross McCausland. I'm a Rangers fan, that was a clear dive. VAR shouldn't be getting tricked by that. This will never catch on, Craig. What is this? You're going to face accusations of not actually being a Rangers fan on my Twitter any second now. I'm just I'm just realistic. If I want to bring my, my tinted glasses out, I noticed a couple of weeks ago against Hearts, it was the exact same with Kyogo. They got a penalty. It was never a penalty. There was no contact. Right, let's go through them one by one because I know you said you've got a bit of a list. So let, let, yeah. let's let's deal with that one. Um, I don't know if we're going to argue here. I mean, Craig's a Rangers fan, and he's saying I don't mind. I'll, I'll admit it. I thought McCausland was a dive and shouldn't have been a penalty. Is it? Are you in agreement, you two? They had no penalty for me. I was amazed that um, that Steve McLean wasn't sent to the monitor. Uh, it's the classic that we talk about all the time. If forwards try to initiate the contact, go down. If contact did come. It certainly wasn't enough to go down and, uh, and win a penalty, so I was amazed that was that was given. You roll house, no penalty. Right, okay. Um, that's a bit boring then, isn't it? Um, all right, what's the next one, Craig? Right, so the next one that a lot of people didn't notice in live play was one to do with Cantwell. Now, Cantwell, um, he went over a player. The player went down during the tuffle, and then Cantwell, you see, shoving the player. He gets a yellow card, and you're wondering why he's getting involved. If you look back at the video, there's a reason he gets involved. The player's on the deck, he's got his leg bent, so he's lying there, leg bent. He sees Cantwell coming over the top of him. As soon as Cantwell comes over the top of him, he actually kicks his leg out and straightens his leg, and every single stud on his boot goes into the top of Cantwell's shin. Now, if Cantwell's foot was planted, 
That was a leg breaker. Yet VR didn't even look at that. They should have been able to look at Campbell's reaction and say, why is he reacting so badly to that? And then have a look at the whole scenario. That should have been a red card. That mm. If VR picked up on that and looked at that, that would have been a red card all day long. The player is, it's not the fact that the player's put his leg out, that can happen. But you see the player looking at Cantwell and he actually stabs his leg out from a, from a bent position into a full straight leg with force because he can see Cantwell coming over the top of him. That's why he reacted the way he did. But VR didn't even look at it. Mm. Just for accuracy on that, because we hear that a lot. Um, I was talking to someone about a completely different incident. VR looks at pretty much everything, all, all stuff like that. People, I think we need to not we'll get fall into the trap of thinking because the ref doesn't go to the monitor. However, you're still more than entitled to think it's a terrible mistake and a howler and an injustice. That's fine, uh, but I just mean for accuracy. Are I'm, you familiar with the incident? I'm, I'm slightly compromised in this, Craig, because the good people of Super Scoreboard by this time had sent me out into the cold at Celtic Park yesterday, so I didn't see this in real time, but I am aware that Todd Cantwell has posted... Taken to Instagram. Foot, taken the, to Instagram, as the kids say. Yeah. Uh, with video footage and still photography of the incident. Have you seen it back? Andy? He says, I have, yeah. right. You know, you've taken Craig to task there. Todd Cantwell says, mm. rightly or wrongly, this wasn't checked by VAR. Don't know how Todd Cantwell knows this. Well, that's what I mean. He it's, claims it, it wasn't it's checked not a big by deal. VAR. I don't want to get hung up on that. It's not a big deal. I just think that phrase is just very unhelpful because I think when people use it, what they mean is they didn't go to the monitor. Yeah. That's really what people mean. Um, what did you think of it, Andy? I mean, I'm starting to sound like an old-fashioned 1970s football player here, but was there enough force to... I've I seen it as more petulant than anything, I think. Um, from both of them? Yeah, for both of them. So I mean, Todd Cantwell might then say, well, he didn't I think get, he could didn't, definitely he feel like Reeves at Livingston Poor didn't get booked, absolutely. So but you I'm, think two yellows sure would have been enough? Card, yeah, I'd say two yellows. Mm, you're going to have to agree to disagree with him, Craig? No, to be fair, I could actually, I could actually agree with that. It's just the fact that it doesn't seem like... The reason why I'm saying it doesn't seem like VAR has looked at it is because usually, even when it doesn't come up on the monitor, we usually hear something from the commentary that they're having a look at this or they're having a look at that. Like, literally, there was no word about that whatsoever, as if no one noticed it. I don't think that the one... That actually happened. That, that, Sorry, I mean, that, is, that is fair. I, I, I obviously, you know, when you're not in the room, I yeah. think there obviously there is a level of that. But there wasn't too much of a replay of it on Sky... Because yep. the first initial replay they see that wasn't really the angle that mm. Todd Campbell has, and I think his angle seems to be somewhere for I'd imagine Rangers video footage or whatnot. Listen, I, so. I think that's fair. And without speaking out of turn, I, I just and I was working at the game yesterday, so I was in and around the area and Todd Cantwell was definitely not happy about all of this afterwards. I think we can I can say that without uh, divulging too much. But and um somebody made a point to me at the weekend in this in the sort of pro VAR conversation saying one of the good things about VAR is you don't have any of this um, looking back at videos through the week, what's the word? Retrospective action. Yeah. Because everything's checked by VAR. But the way Todd mm. Cantwell was talking on his Insta, yeah. you just wonder if he he would like to see retrospective mm. action. It's still possible. Of course it is. It's still possible. Um, I think Craig says, you know, if we don't, and we, we mentioned this was at Friday night when Brendan Rodgers came out and said about, you know, if it was up to him, he'd been it. Craig agrees, Craig's a Rangers fan. And I said it feels a bit like this conversation has got a bit bigger than just, oh, these decisions are going against going against my team. Because it mm -hmm. feels like I'm hearing it at international level, at Champions League level, at you know, Europa League, Conference League, it at the English Premier League are having a real torrid time. So when Craig says that bit about, you know, you know, maybe our officials can't can't do it, can't run it, or not up to speed. 
is, is it just the system? Is it, is it just the over-analysis? Is it the, is it the burden? Is it the pressure? Is it the microscope? Because I would... If, if I watched English Premier League or I watched international football and thought, well, they're getting this right, that would give me a bit of hope. Well, do you know what? Maybe our refs can get there and maybe if we up the standard, our refs will get there. And they've had it for six years and we're in year one, so maybe we'll get there. But I, I don't think any, I don't see any league or any competition yeah. that's getting it right. You, you, you'll definitely remember this. I was pretty strenuous in the fact when it was coming and I was, I was very much against it. I never liked the idea of it. I didn't like the idea how long it took, uh, took to, to make decisions. Actually, now it's here, although there's been a lot of contentious decisions, I think there's a place for it. I just think there needs to be changes. I think that will come mm -hmm. over time. Uh, of course, I think the offside uh, element of it is, is great. I think the real issue with it, and it's something that the SFA and, and UEFA are really strenuous in, in, in changing, is the re-refereeing the game. I think it should be able to re-referee the game. Ultimately, if the right decision is made, I think that's what it's made to do. Yeah. And I, we talk about it all the time. We always fall into this category, clear and obvious error. Mm. That's IFAB's big buzz phase. That's IFAB's big buzz phase, but I think that's that. I think that's a real grey area for me mm -hmm. because we took we spoke about it in the show and, and it's something I learned only a, a, a month ago when we have our annual sort of referees meeting and explaining new rules and whatnot. I bet you're in absolute pain at that. I, but I probably am. You'd be able. I to bet ask, all the Hearts players just sit there and your hands up every two minutes. But it was explained to me on the clearing obvious error, and they speak about this audio and when the referees talking to the people at, uh, at VAR what they've seen. And if they feel as if the way he's described the situation is not a clear and obvious error, they won't send him to the monitor. For example, the Ross McCausland penalty. If the referee has said, I have seen a touch, he's went down, for me it's a penalty. They look back and there's a faint, slight touch, they'll deem that as not a clear and obvious error. Ultimately though, I it's don't think the right decision is right. made. Um, very quickly, because we're running out of time, so we'll do a kind of brief look at it, Craig. The other disallowed goal... Um, which was McCausland's disallowed goal. What, what did you make of that? I think that that shouldn't have been disallowed. It's either, I think two situations should have happened there once the ref looked at it. Seema's getting filled by the defender before he fills the defender in front of him. So he either turned around and say, look, both of them are at it, let the play go on, it's a goal, or it's a penalty to Rangers. The first foul's committed by an opposition player, not by the Rangers player. I think the problem that we've got with VR is this. Uh, to get to the point is we took this off the other sports that were a lot more set in their ways with their rules. It's a lot more yes or no. There's no black and white. In football, there's far too many. Did he intentionally do that? Was there enough force? Was there this? Was there that? This then doesn't make it black and white. Whereas yeah. if you look at hockey, you look at American football, all these sports are pretty black and white. Oh, rules. Craig, honestly, you know, I had had it up to here with Roger Hanna trying to turn us into rugby. Now you want us to become <laughs> hockey. My goodness. Um, quickly, you two, the the other disallowed goal, I'm, I'm sort of losing track. Well, haven't they talked about the first one yet? The Goldson one? I've ever agrees with that, do you not? The, the second one. And also, but I'm glad you said it. As much as there is a valid debate to be had in VAR, are we in danger of only focusing on, on the negatives and, and forgetting that sometimes you just need it and it rules a goal out and everybody yeah. agrees and then but, you move on? You know, to take Craig's point, consistency, there is none. Seema and the defender, it's probably 50-50, there's a wee foul each. The goal's disallowed. You watch Chelsea Man City later in the day, ah, Hot Harland and Cucciarella are doing the exact we've same thing. Time for them. But the attacking player... Gets the foul in that instance Whereas the defending player you Gets I, the foul at Livingston You and I clash on this all the time That means nothing to me In the context of Whether that decision was They're just either right or wrong I'm worried about what Erling Haaland's doing um, On that one for you 
No Phil, goal should have stood. Yeah. Do you want me to elaborate? Not really. Um, yeah, no, well, goal should have stood. Second penalty, no complaints, handball. Mikey yeah, no Devlin. complaints. I think yeah, it, yeah. nowadays that's a penalty. Yeah. Sorry, Mikey. All right, it's that time of the night already. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the football. Right, it is Beat the Pundit time. It's a tough school on a Monday, but if you're up to the challenge, let's hear from you on 01419511025 and the lines close at 7. Tackle the headlines. 01419511025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Andy Halliday and Roger Hanna are here. It is typical Monday night fair. The referee got this wrong, but he got this one right, and I can't believe they didn't spot this and very little discussion about actual players and performances. So if you want to keep it going on that vein or give us something else, you can do. There's so much more to get round from the weekend. So pick up that phone right now on 01419511025 or you can tweet us at Clyde SSB. But let's play this first. With the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the Scottish Sun.co.uk slash football. It is beat the pundit time. Andy and Roger both with a 100% record this season. But records are there to be broken, as the cliche goes. Chris and Kilmarnock, are you up to the challenge? I'll certainly try. <laughs> and that is all you can do. Have you ever played before? No, I have not. Fair enough. You do okay when you play along at home? Usually, but. I don't know if a ball was going to crash tonight. No, <laughs> not at all. You don't sound it. You'll be you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. Um, right, let's see who you're going to be up against. First of all, like doesn't matter much. They've both got hundred percent record. But Roger Hanna does start on minus one, pending a move to minus two. What? What? No. How, how come Halliday is not pending a move to minus one? Because he'd admit that he's good. I'm not on your level. But you're you're like extra geek. You don't have a weakness. I have weaknesses. Ah, exactly. I, I could no. come up with a set of questions that he wouldn't get. I, I don't think zero. I could. <laughs> no, I would just ask him every stadium in the World Leagues and he wouldn't no. get them. But I think you would anyway. <laughs> He'll soon find out. <laughs> well, there is every chance. Uh, speaking of which, Robbie Nielsen not been on the phone yet? No, we move on. Right, okay. Uh, heads, it will be Andy Halliday. Tails, it will be Roger Hanna. And it is Tails. It's the ultra geek, I'm afraid, Chris. Very um, Good luck, Chris. Uh, good luck Roger <laughs> Right well, Don't think he needs it Like, um, What we'll do is give Roger Some greatest hits radio To listen to Nice and loud uh, And we'll get the clock ready Chris 30 seconds Answer as many as you can And pass if you don't know the answer It's that simple okay No problem Let's go Your time starts now Craig Levine left a role At which club To join St Johnson uh, Hearts Who scored the opener When Scotland played Georgia In the rain at Hamden Scott McTominay Who's the current top scorer On the Scottish Premiership Eh. Uh, what is the name of Elgin City's home ground? Pass. Name any of the three players who got a double in the Scottish Premiership at the weekend. A double O. Which former Rangers player was nicknamed the Hammer? Uh, George Albert. What Scottish Championship club connects Jackie McNamara, Stevie Crawford and Alan McGregor? Dundee United. Okay, let's bring back Roger. Can you hear us? Roger Hanna. Yes you, were, you didn't look like you were enjoying that music Whatever it was Whitney Houston Not not for you, no it's a, not, not, one, not one of our back catalogue Hey, I want to dance with somebody Did the Morton fans not used to sing I want to dance with Jim Duffy Because I've got that in the back of my head And that instantly was became the f- best thing I had ever heard Because obviously he's a friend of the show mm-hmm. And I thought that was fantastic That would be good Maybe they didn't actually And someone just tweeted it at some point But it's stuck in my head On the show yesterday Denied an Empire Biscuit 
Oh, wow, that's my favourite biscuit. Da- Daz, Bro- Daz brought in an Empire biscuit, which he very quickly had to give to Hugh because he hadn't remembered it was his birthday and made up a story that he had remembered it was Hugh's birthday and gave Hugh the Empire biscuit. Unfortunately, Duff didn't get one. Shameful. Hugh had birthday cake. I saw f- this was pre-birthday cake. I saw footage of birthday cake mm-hmm. evens for yesterday. But anyway, right, 30 seconds, Roger Hanna, and your time starts now. Craig Levine left a role at which club to join St. Johnson? Breaking. Who scored the opener when Scotland played Georgia in the rain at the Hamden? Callum McGregor. Who's the current top scorer in the Scottish Premiership? Tavernier. What is the name of Elgin City's home ground? Borough Briggs. Name any of the players who managed to get a double in the Scottish Premiership the weekend. I'm a do back a Yoko. Which former Rangers player was nicknamed the Hammer? Uh, George Alberts. Which Scottish Championship club connects Jackie McNamara, Stevie Crawford and Alan McGregor? Dunfermline. And which Georgian player played for Dundee and Rangers between 2001-2006? Zurab Kijanishvili. Which chance you got, Chris? I absolutely zero. Honestly. I don't think I've done that well <laughs> I think you did okay But this guy just sick of him He's got to go to minus two at some point um, Right, Craig Levine left a role at which club to join St Johnson? I can see you're thinking Chris Just say hearts If in doubt, say hearts But um, no, he, there was a bit of time passed in between And he was And it was an advisor, will we call it that? Yeah, they felt they had to bring one in with Andy Kirk Because the previous manager had done so poorly There is that So it was breaking Roger Hanna Gets one sort of level, if you like. Who, because it's he's he starts on minus one. Who scored the opener when Scotland played Georgia in the rain at Hamden? Again, I sympathise with you, Chris. It's a good educated guess in Scott McTominay, but it's wrong because it was Callum McGregor. So it's one nil, Roger Hanna. I have to say, the producers have maybe made life a little bit difficult for you on this question because there are four players that are joint top of the goal scoring chart. So you had the choice really of. Kyogo O'Reilly, Turnbull or Tavernier Yes, so you were both you were both fine uh, Matt O'Reilly was Chris's answer And Tavernier was Roger So Roger stays in front Elgin City's home ground, Andy Halliday No, no chance no. no. Change manager again they today Barry Smith's left, hasn't he? Yep Borough Briggs, Roger Hanna gets it Stretches his lead Do you know what I didn't like about this? At all The showboating element to it there are three players who got a double And you had to go for the most obscure one, didn't you? Everybody knows it was O at Celtic Park yesterday You've got Lauren Shankland and his teammate back in the Scotland squad But no, that wasn't enough for you You had to show off with your Bakayoko shout from Saturday Shame on you, but it was correct uh, Chris got it as well, but not enough to obviously make up any ground And Chris, you were fine You knew that George Alberts was the hammer But so did Roger and then he moved in front even further. Dunfermline is the club that links Alan McGregor, Jackie McNamara and Stevie Crawford. And Zurab Kishnashvili played for Dundee and Rangers. So it's a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 3 for Roger Hanna. He actually got 8, but we'll deduct him. And uh, it's another convincing one. Hard lines, Chris. Be by the better man. That's it. Cheers, Chris. You only hold your hands up. You going for the 10? Aye, right, go on you go. Go on then. Oh, no. <laughs> It's too easy then Lauren Shanklin's been called up To replace which player In Scotland <laughs> Jay Adams Who's the only Scottish club Gary McAllister played for Motherwell Motherwell And that's it That's the 10 oh, That was too easy Honestly We need to do something Guys honestly Minus 3 uh, We need something Something has to change in here 01419511025 That is the number that you need Right what do you want to do It's up to you That's the whole point Of the phone end You want to go Back to Kyogo's head knock You want to go back To VAR At Livy and elsewhere Or will we do Some mad radical thing Where we talk about The performance levels And what players were good And what players were bad And all that sort of stuff 
let us know your thoughts what we could do right now actually on that then is hear from Philippe Clement this was his thoughts on the game itself the team showed a really good mentality and, uh, and the right spirit uh, and a good mindset to, to play a very mature game because we didn't give away anything and yeah we deserve to win clearly so yeah at the end it's a very positive uh, afternoon I think I'm a fan of VR because it makes the game more honest there are less mistakes than there were in, in the past there were much more mistakes because now every, everybody can see back in slow motion can make the right decision uh, right what about Lewis on the line Lewis that's it's quite a good um, it's quite a good junction for Philippe Clement we've arrived at the international break that's his first sort of run of games over so what, what are you feeling at the moment what's on your mind heading into this break uh, first of all hi panel uh, hi, Lewis. I think I think the international breaks came at a good time I think it's a case of no biting off more than you can chew I mean we've played seven games one six uh, drew one that one was on the road in, a, in, a, in the Europa League but in the League Cup final um, he said that a lot of the training sessions he's not really even been out training with them it's been video uh, analysis and he's worried about uh, the players that are leaving an international break we've not actually got that many players going in an international break that I can, that I can think of apart from maybe Seema certain Jack aren't even in the in the Scotland squad Sefentes has been injured, so I don't think he'll be gone. I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's it's as bad a thing. I think it's a good thing. I think mm. it's came out a great thing for us. Yeah, I think Jack Jack is in the squad. Yeah, right, Jackson. And um, I suppose you take in one or, Ross McCausland, who everyone's talking about for various reasons, will be away. I think with one of the age groups at Northern Ireland. Is that right? I'm sure I saw that. But generally speaking. Um, Philippe Clement was asked about this yesterday as well like everyone they'll get a bit of time off I would imagine can this be an important period Andy because they kind of had much time training recently yeah I can imagine so but I'd imagine the players would be pretty keen to keep going they're on a good run Mm -hmm. of form they're putting in good performances what is coming is a a run of 12 games in 38 days after the international break so they've got another intense period coming there but and that being said they've obviously now got an opportunity for maybe 10 days worth of training Uh, Try and implement his style even more. Uh, again, probably a lot of emphasis on the, uh, you know, the, the the work rate on and off the ball. So I'd imagine if they've got ten days training with no game, it's going to be pretty intense over that period. What it does is gives an opportunity to the likes of John Suter to come back, um, the likes of Kamar Roof and and, uh, and Tom Lawrence more on the on the training field as well. Possibly Nicholas Raskin's yeah. another one. Yeah. So listen, like I mentioned, twelve games in thirty eight days, they're going to need every player they can get available. Obviously, two week break gives them a, an opportunity to get a couple back. I think it will be a, a good opportunity, Roger, to take stock, wh- whatever that is. It feels like it could be a number of things, as Andy says, just simply getting players back, um, maybe getting more of that um, intensity into players that he feels needs it, maybe getting rest to players that need it. I don't even know, does he come out of this break with a definitive answer on what the rest of his backroom staff is going to look like? I still think that's that's there for, for discussion. Um, I think this... An important break for Philippe Clement. Yeah, I think it could be. I spoke to Craig Levine at McDermott Park on Saturday night, and I just asked the question: Is is it a good time to have the international break? And he said, absolutely, it is, because since he's been in the door, he's hardly paused for breath. You know, he's in a midweek game, then a weekend mm-hmm. game. He's had very little time in the training ground with his players to implement what he wants to do, to work on basic things like set pieces 
and bits and bobs like that. And if you rewind that back with Philip Clement, it seems incredible. He's had seven games as Rangers manager already. He just seems to be in the door and he's gone midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend. He's been to Prague, he's European midweek games, he's been to Dundee, he was at Livy at the weekend. He'll probably enjoy the pause for breath and to get the players on the training ground and to work with them. You know, the players you mentioned there, Andy, Kamar Roof, he wouldn't have worked with. You know, guys like mm-hmm. that, he'll have had minimal time with John Souter. He'll have had minimal time with, you know, some of the other guys who are just coming back. He'll want this break, this fortnight, to find out a bit more about them. What did you make of the game yesterday, Lewis? I know there's a lot of talking points that we've debated, but sort of overall? Oh, just another routine performance. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, that would be a game where we'd be kind of swithering or can we actually take the points on the road? Main excuses of all the synthetic park and all that, but no routine again. And I was glad that McCausland got his got his start. I think <clears throat> over the last kind of since Clements came in and kind of gave McCausland these chance, people have been wanting McCausland to to get out and actually start the game. And I, <clears throat> I don't think anybody can kind of take away from the fact that I think he took it with both hands. He's unlucky not for the goal not to stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the penalty's a dive, we all know that. <laughs> but um, no, I, again, the team that gave a chance as well for the tired Europa League legs to, to sit on the bench and and not have to play every single game. The depth's now starting to come back slowly but surely. An international break gives us a great chance for that as well because obviously Matondo's, I mean, Matondo was firing and now, and, and then he was injured and imagine what, I mean, look what Clement's done, and now you're going to have an asset like that coming back in. But he's a left winger. Can you really take him out of the team? I think a lot of Matondo's issues, and when people were critical of him, was the fact that he was starting him on the right and he's right footed. And that's been quite, people have been quite critical of Catmill for that as well. It suits them being on the left so they can check in on the right and get the shot away or whatever. But who knows? I mean, look what he's done in seven games. Who knows what he can do? What did you make of yesterday? Get you know that Lewis says that there's sometimes a perception it's a tough place to go. Whether Livingston in their current performance level is is it a tough place well, to go? Well, I, I it, don't know. It, but it wasn't a tough place to go yesterday. And whether that's Livingston in their current predicament or Rangers looking better than they've looked so far this season, it was comfortable. Rangers they scored twice. They had two chalked off. Um, they missed other opportunities to score. They were well on top of the game. Um, and thoroughly deserved the three points so it didn't look a difficult place to go and Rangers now roll on next game Aberdeen at Petodre will there be any backlash from Aberdeen from their desperate performance yesterday? And they would again football match wise we've, we've tried to ground some of the talking points and we can revisit them if you want but um, what, what did you make of the way the, the game played out? Uh, I thought Lewis said the perfect word pretty routine I thought Rangers were comfortable for minute one uh, Jack Butler, who's been superb since he came in, has probably had his easiest afternoon in the Rangers jersey. Uh, in terms of Rangers, I think a lot of the words and a lot of the buzzwords we hear from Philippe Clement, intensity, pressure, forward thinking, I think we've still seen them all. Uh, but yeah, I think I don't think there was much of a, a fight back for Livingston. I felt once that first goal came in, it uh, obviously came a, uh, after a period of madness, a period of time, I think there was only going to be one mm. winner for the end of the game. Can't take it away from him, Cyril Dessers. They all count. That was his message after the game. Um, I suppose there's probably a bit of good fortune about the, the way it goes in but up until that point the pass, the run the guys like him who got the chance yesterday can 
can they take much from it? I think McCausland is a definite for most people. Mm -hmm. What about the others that, that came in? I still think Dessers has to do more, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I think it's great. They got another goal. I think it's going to be great for his confidence. Um, I still think, you know, one thing I, I hopefully come on does over the 10 days is teach him the offside role because it seems as if he, he lives there over the last few games. But I think his overall impact in the game and what he can, what he can offer the team has to be just a, a little bit better I would say what I will say is I, d I do think he works really really hard out of possession I think Philippe Clement sees that I think he likes that uh, and in terms of Ross McCausen I thought his impact when he's came off the bench over the last few games has been excellent I think Sparta Prague specifically uh, and I think he deserved his opportunity and I thought he grabbed it with both hands yeah and listen it'll be interesting to see I, I, I think now Danilo is nailed on as a centre forward but uh, you know if Dessers can play the role for Rangers that O has been playing for Celtic then that, that'll be a bonus because Kamar Roof is still to prove his fitness the makeup in that front four for Rangers will fascinate me because Tom Lawrence came back in yesterday performed well good ball for the goal um, as Lewis said Matondo still to come back McCausland impressed yesterday Cantwell came off the bench yesterday um, you've still to factor in you know Seema yeah, I think Lammers still, still top scorer Sam Lammers is there so when everyone's fit and he's not had the He's not had the privilege of having everyone fit at the one time so far. Be interesting to see what his first pick front four is. Mm, thank you very much to Lewis, who was on the line there, and you can join in as well on 0141 if you would like to do so. Um, David Martindale, you know, was speaking, saying that he is not necessarily worried. Um, Roger Hanna, you know, he's been in this before, not really looking at league table, not looking at points, totals. How in danger are they? Well, listen, I spoke to David last week after they lost at Dens Park and I think he said at some stage in the last 10 years he's been in nine relegation battles. Um, so he wouldn't be too worried. There's only, as I said at the top of the show, two points between five teams. Um, they're out of sorts just now, five straight defeats. They've only scored one goal in the five games. But equally, you know, I saw Ross County at Perth on Saturday. They're nine without a win. Um, Aberdeen, I don't think they'll get sucked into the relegation battle. But they lost 6-0 yesterday and they're two points off the bottom. Um, dare I say, Gordon, I'm glad you're sitting down, Motherwell, is it two points from 27? Mm, it is. And, and, um, you know, so as, as long as Ross County and Motherwell and St Johnson and others are round about them, I don't think David Martindale will panic. Motherwell fans, Hearts fans, might be a good time for you to call. Halliday bench cam was right there on the ground, got a perfect view of everything that was happening. So why not? get his insight pick up that phone uh, but before we go on just let me mark your card on this if you go to Clyde1.com you could spend our break doing it it'd be a good use of your time uh, there's a range of presents to hand out just in time for Christmas with our online competition presents under the tree Andy Halliday out of everybody I know on this earth puts his Christmas decorations up first. So this will be perfect for him. You can win an exclusive 13-person Grand Prix VR experience at VR Simulators Glasgow. It's the ultimate 5D racing experience. Makes you really feel like you're involved. The motion seats, wind generation, over 185 cars and 100 tracks to choose from. It's a great day out with the family. Stag do's, hen do's, Christmas party nights, all the rest of it. If you go to Clyde1.com, you can find out more and we'll take more of your calls next. Taking your calls on Scottish football. 0141 951 1025. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Roger Hanna and Andy Halliday are here. 0141 951 1025. If you want to recap, you want to go back the way, you might want to discuss Kyogo's head knock, the Celtic performance overall. 
the numerous VAR calls at the Rangers game, the Rangers performance. And if you want to move on to something new, we'll do it if you're looking for some inspiration. Maybe uh, you... St Mirren fans, you've not had that feeling for a while Where did it go wrong at the weekend? I take it you're not hitting the panic button after one disappointment Any Motherwell fans, we had loads phoning in on Saturday evening That usually means one thing, that things are going wrong Very rarely uh, will we hear so many when things are going well So what are you thinking? Stuart Kettlewell, how critical a time is this for him? Where is it going wrong? Halliday Benchcam will give us his unique take on it in just a second um, and if there's anything else out there The Scotland squad's had an alteration As we heard Lauren Shankland is in They've gone to Turkey for some warm weather training It's raining by the way Ahead of playing Georgia at the weekend How weird is it that Scotland get into this With um, already qualified Any thought, early, early thoughts on the international stuff Get them in uh, And we will speak to you as soon as we get this question ready the full-time teaser with Sliding Wardrobe Solutions East Kilbride. Slat wall panels available in seven colours. Now in stock at East Kilbride at competitive prices. The type of question that I think only you two could handle because if I was to give this to Wilson and DL as an example, <laughs> they would... Is it say, does it say on the, the sheet for tonight, tonight that Gordon DL and Mark Wilson are on? Well, we've had a, we've had a, a let-off there. I think you'll at least try this methodically. You will try and actually recall the incidents rather than just naming every goalkeeper you can think of. Stephen Makara says, can you name the nine goalkeepers that James Tavernier has missed a penalty against in the SPFL? So he scored a fair whack, but there are nine goalkeepers that he's missed a penalty against in the SPFL. Remarkable. Jamal George. Well, uh, yeah. even I would have remembered that one. Sander Clark. Exactly. So two in the last couple of weeks. Um, one yesterday wasn't his best. No, I know you don't. Fair, um, yeah, I don't think you don't. You certainly don't expect him to miss the target. So and I think in the stadium, a lot of people thought he hit the post, but it was the bit behind yeah. the, that holds the the net up. Um, but for the second game in quick succession, he gets another bite at it, and he's not going to miss two in a game, is he? It's always the kind of feeling that you get. Yeah, certainly. I, Absolutely. Uh, is it, no, I, I listened to Kenny Miller on commentary as well, and he, I think he was right. He was spot on what he says that usually his second one he always goes down the middle, uh, but he does he does do that well. He does mix them up, and and there he goes, and he's emphatically put away the second. You'll know this. Who saved the first penalty he ever missed? It's a good fact. This. What? So the the penalty shoot? No, just generally. No, this penalty no, shoot was counting though. Just ever in, in his career. In his career. There's a reason he's asked you. Try and second well, guess him. me. He's playing, uh, he, James Tavernier was playing for, for, Wigan, for Wigan Athletic. First penalty he ever missed. That's no idea. Put him out of his misery. Jack Butland. Wow. Well, anyway, we'll get back to that question. He's, there, he's not right, is he? No, he's not. Um, <laughs> not I mean, right. in a nice way. It's a warm tribute. That's mental that you've got that as in well. In a nice way. Um, thanks to Stephen for sending it. Thanks to Sliding Wardrobe Solutions, East Bride for helping us out. You can email your question full time at Clyde1.com Let's bring in Matthew We've not had the Aberdeen perspective on yesterday so Matthew you take that away if you can Evening guys how, how you doing alright? Hi Matthew um, Yeah I, mean, I obviously heard Roger um, at, the, at the start of the show saying about stamping out that kind of challenge if you like but I think what's been overlooked quite a bit in this is that Rubicic actually won the ball um, and I think if you kind of look at it from a footballer's perspective, like hopefully what Andy will. I think if, if you look at it and you're a manager on the touchline and you're a defender, 
kind of goes for that and then maybe has a second thought and thinks, do you know what, I'm not going to go in for that. Kyogo takes it in, passes it off to a player and then Celtic got the park and scores. Your manager's absolutely tearing a strip off you for that. So I think kind of, I can see where the element of like, a red card argument would come in if he's gone in for that challenge, missed the ball and clattered Kyogo. I can see it because he's obviously mistimed it and stuff like that. But I think when you go in and you've seen it from numerous different angles, he wins the ball first and foremost. And it's just, it's unfortunate that he's clattered into Kyogo. But like Andy said before, football's a contact sport. These sort of things will happen. I mean, I think kind of going back to what Roger was saying about the rugby and using sin binnings and the sendings off at the World Cup final and stuff like that, Rubicic was essentially, if you like to use a rugby term, he was sin binned for it. He was booked for it. So I don't see how anyone can really turn around and say that he's won the ball. Aye, all right, fine, he's, he's clattered into Kyogo. That, that can happen. But for me, it, it can't possibly be a red card. And I don't see where this argument came from. Roger, your defence... Yeah, listen, I can listen to Andy before we come on the show tonight, Matthew, and he was making the point about, you know, if you don't go for that challenge, then your manager's not going to be happy with you. Take all of that on board. Um, I I just think it's dangerous. Now, you say he won the ball and then collided with the opponent. If Rubicic, or anyone else, I'd said earlier on, this isn't a witch hunt against Slobodan Rubicic. If a player goes in, wins the ball, then goes through and breaks the opponent's ankle, then... He gets sent off It's as simple as that nowadays um, Whether managers or players like it or not Those are the rules nowadays And the point I was making earlier on I'm just really echoing what Stuart Kettlewell The Motherwell manager said last week Stop blaming him he Come on, I want you to <laughs> believe, own this opinion I'm owning this opinion But he believes that If a player comes through Even if he wins the ball And the ball was won yesterday The force The speed The collision with Kyogo Endangers mm, yeah, Kyogo right. What do you make of that element of it Matthew In the sense that The, the defence of winning the ball it not a defence when we talk You know nowadays If you talk about kind of studs up challenge or whatever And people say Oh I won the ball And then people say That doesn't matter It's still a red I think Rogers then applying that logic to aerial challenges Is that Is there anything in that? I think I, mean, I, I think the only way you could maybe kind of look at it that way Is if he's gone up for a challenge And he's, he's maybe elbowed the player in the head I think you could maybe look at it and you could say you could agree with Roger from from that perspective. But I mean, he's he's gone in for a header. He's not elbowed him in the forehead. He's not got him in the temple or anything like that with his elbow. He's went in. He's, it's much the same as I think when you kind of look at, at challenges and people talk about your momentum. You can't head the ball and all of a sudden just stop to avoid making contact. It's unfortunate. It's one of those things that I think happens. I just. I think we've kind of taken it a wee bit too far, I and mean, then we, we kind of go back to like, well, I know you said earlier on you don't kind of want to go back to challenges from previous seasons. Well, let's look at League Cup final from 2018, Boyata on Gary Mackay Stephen. Mm-hmm. I mean that that cost Gary Mackay Stephen two two or three months of that season. It wasn't even given as a foul. So, I mean, exact same thing. He was knocked out cold on the pitch. Ended up in hospital. I mean, Kyogo will probably be back by the time Celtic come back from our. Celtic's first game after the international break. That challenge cost Mackay Stephen. Yeah, the, 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 the guy Mackay Stephen was actually mentioned last week, referenced after Stuart Kettlewell had, had spoken, and nobody's saying that's right. In fact, the point that Stuart Kettlewell was making was things like that have happened in the past shouldn't be allowed to happen anymore. Um, he believes it's now becoming a, a problem in the game, 
And so much so that he's spoken to Crawford Allen, the head of referees at the SFA, asking that referees become more aware of challenges like this and the potential dangers of challenges like this. Uh, okay. Uh, what about the performance, Matthew? Um, we, we said earlier, you know, the kind of the, the idea of sitting off and and catching teams has worked really well for Aberdeen in Europe and at Ibrox. Um, was it different yesterday? What went wrong? What did you make of the performance? I think it's kind of been one of those that while we might say the performances have worked in Europe, we've still ridden a lot quite a bit. I mean, Pout could have been Pout could have scored a number of goals in the first half on Thursday. Frankfurt could have done the same thing. We obviously used those tactics at Ibrox. Rangers were a different team then compared to what they are now. Um, I just, I think for I think for us, this the, the way we set up in these games with the sort of flat back five, then get four across the middle and Miofsky, it just to me it just kind of doesn't work in these games because all that happens is defence just clear it. It ends up at Miofsky. You get nobody within about forty yards of him, and then it just it, it comes straight back. And I think that's where there's still quite an element of doubt um, over Barry Robson for me. Um, I just I don't know if he's if he's a man to kind of take us forward. Um, I mean I think we've we've won a, a grand total of six games all season. Uh, one of them being Sterling Albion. Um, we've obviously lost four, five, and six now under him at, at Parkhead. Um, I just I think. If Robson's going to make a success of the Aberdeen job, I think he's got to change the way that we play. And I mean, we, we set up with this kind of back five in just about every game. There's there's games up here that don't require a back five, and you can actually sort of go and take the take the game to te- uh, take the game to teams. But we just don't seem to want to do it. And I'll be honest, like I I kind of fear a bit of a a bit of a going over um, on the 17th of December at, at Hamden. Ah, but um, people will say Aberdeen are much better against Rangers. They'll raise their game for that one. What's your aye, stance so, on that aye, allegation? I so Chris Boyd says. <laughs> I think it, it's um, again it's Aberdeen Rangers. have got this. I've got this rivalry. Uh, I know Rangers fans probably seem to think that uh, we are not a rival to them. But no matter what you say, Aberdeen Rangers is a rivalry. So you always get up for a rivalry. I, I don't really care what Rangers fans say because I'd imagine they probably up their game as well. When they when they come to Petardry because they know the atmosphere and that that surrounds it, um, so yeah, I mean we, we might perform a bit better. I, I think we'll perform well enough to to win the cup final. No, um, the way we're playing, I'll be honest. I'll be surprised if Robson's still the Aberdeen manager at the end of January. Um, I, I I don't think he's got. We've got eleven games in December, um, or up to the end of December. Sorry, I don't see us winning very many. Um, so I don't really know where we go. There's a really, yeah. there's a really boring um, sort of answer or reply to that about you know Aberdeen doing better against Rangers than they do against Celtic. The really boring one that nobody's interested in is well, if you're talking over the last ten years, it has been easier to get something off Rangers than it has been Celtic. J- just a, a pure and simple fact. But I know that's not exciting for people, and th- th- there is there is obviously a, a rivalry more with the fans, Andy, and the, the kind of. The sentiment and the feeling around around the game. Um, I, I don't know. I know people like having their, their kind of other theories, but that's now a few different Aberdeen managers and certainly a whole lot of Aberdeen players that have kind of changed. I'm not sure there's some sort of deliberate, coordinated attempt to <clears throat> to not do as well against Celtic. 
Yeah, I think if I'm right in saying, I think it was 2017 or maybe 2018, Aberdeen won for the first time at Ibrox in over 20 years. So it doesn't seem as if they've done all that well against Rangers either. I think they've had more success over the last sort of two, three seasons. Uh, I think Big Boy they got what he wanted. I think he got a lot of people talking, a lot of traction for Sky. So I think that's what he's, the MZ's comments were. I'm just going to say, Matthew, is now a good time to point out Sterling should have had a penalty in the last minute. <laughs> they probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding you on. And listen, in defence of Barry Robson, he probably played that formation yesterday because. That formation's worked for him in games this season. That formation won at Ibrox. Well, that formation of games. won the mm. semi-final. Got the draw in Salonica. Played well in Frankfurt. And it just didn't work for him yesterday. He'll probably not do that again now because, as you say, there was such a gap. I, you know, Miofsky was so isolated. Your heart went out to him. The ball was getting fired up to him and he's got scales one side of him, Carter Vickers the other side of him and McGregor in front of him. And he just know where to go. So I, I would doubt that Barry would go with that formation again. But never mind, December 17 against Rangers. November 26 against Rangers is your next game. And not only do you and the Aberdeen fans demand a reaction at home to Rangers, having beaten them at Ibrox, if you can get a result on the 26th of November, I think maybe the, you know, the build-up to the final might be different. Thank you very much, Matthew, giving us the Aberdeen perspective, which is always welcomed on 0141 951 1025. You two, can you name nine goalkeepers that James Tavernier has missed a penalty against in the SPFL? Two really easy ones because they've come in the last two weeks, Shamal George and Xander Clark. Yeah, I believe, I'm sure he missed a penalty against Motherwell, not last season, the season before, Liam Kelly. No, no But there is a Motherwell keeper on there I'll give you that much um, I have a feeling about Hamilton What about Ryan Fulton no, of Hamilton? No, 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 no Trevor Carson? Yes but for St Mirren Oh right okay I'll give so you anyway, right. So Trevor <laughs> Carson kind of Take there. that That's a bit of luck you need yeah, sometimes absolutely Off Andy Haldy's backsiding in Any more Roger? Ross Laidlaw He has yeah Against Ross County So there we go We'll hopefully get the rest And take more of your calls next Number one for football in Glasgow and the West. 0141-951-1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. It's time for Roger Hannan and Andy Halliday to put their sizable football brains together and answer this question sent in by Stephen Makara. Who are the nine goalkeepers that James Tavernier has missed a penalty against in the SPFL? Shamal George and Xander Clark. Very easy because it was very recent. Trevor Carson at St Mirren last season. Ross Laidlaw at Ross County a couple of seasons before. You let one slip when you said not Liam Kelly. Is it Mark Gillespie? It was Mark Gillespie. Motherwell goalkeeper in the 1920 season. He got a move to Newcastle, didn't he? What a move that was for him. One, two, three, four to get. And David I'm, Marshall one? No. I'm just thinking about Matthew, the last caller. Joe Lewis? Yes. Because let's be honest, Rangers against Aberdeen in that period had everything. Yeah. Red cards, penalties scored, penalties missed, all sorts. Okay, three to get. We'll get them before the end of the show, I hope. Uh, you know how I've got the... I've got like a, a bed of music that'll play on a Saturday, you know, Go Flash or whatever, or the start of the half, or VAR check. I'm going to get one made up for Halliday's bench cam because it is a genuine standalone feature that deserves that production value. So until such times... Um, I'll just lead into it. What did it pick up this weekend? Am I going to regret asking this? How much trouble are Motherwell in? 
It's too far. I think it's, I think the bench are too far away for a proper bench camp. Oh. I think they need to move the dugouts closer next time I go to Firth Park. But in terms of the game overall, you're close to the pitch, though. Yeah, I'm close to the pitch. I think it was a. I've got to be honest. I thought it was a different motherwell we have seen for the start of the season. You know how much praise I gave them after the first sort of five, six, seven weeks, uh, and a lot of that was down to that midfield combination play between your Lennon Miller, Spittle, Peyton, Slattery. Seen a real clear identity there. I thought the first half was. Like I said, a different Motherwell. I thought they were quite direct. Um, we spoke about Miofsky being isolated. Uh, I thought even though they played the, the, the front two of Theo Bear and Mika Birif, I thought they were pretty direct in the fact that there wasn't much you know, intention or direction with their, with their clearances or their passes. And I just felt we had sort of a sustained period of pressure in the first half. Uh, I thought the change in Spittle playing higher up the pitch in the second half, I thought worked. I thought they then offered more of a threat. Uh, but again, you can see, uh, you can certainly see a, a, a lack of mm. confidence. Not putting with as much confidence about the start of the season. It's probably something that you can to, to go full circle on it. Roger Motherwell's last win was that game at Tynecastle, I think, and that, and it was so impressive. And 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 here we are, same opponent. And as Andy's told you, just completely, di- completely different. Yeah, um, they're going to miss Lennon Miller. It sounds mad to say, you know, he's only 17 years of age, just turned 17 at the start of the season, but he was playing well. They're going to miss Paul McGinn. Um, Bob Suarez gave them balance on the other side. I think getting John Obika back will be big for them. Um, if they can get him up front with Beareth, you've then got, as you say, Peyton Slattery, Spittle in behind. Um, defensively, I don't know whether he would go back to a back four, maybe with Callum Butcher in front. Because if you've got Peyton, Spittle and Slattery, they tend to be at their best playing forward. So maybe, uh, you know, butchered in front of a back four might give them a little bit more protection. They're leaking far too many goals. I think, um, cover your ears, Gordon, that, that's nine goals in three games at Fur Park. You know, you're not going to get very far in this league if you're losing on average three goals a game in your home games. Um, so they need to do something like that. But as we said with Livingston, all hope is not lost for Motherwell. Look at the turnaround when Stuart Kettlewell came in at the start of February and the form they showed in that run from February to May. They're capable of getting themselves out of bother. Uh, good win for Hearts gone then. We'll reluctantly admit it. A goal-scoring performance from Lauren Shankland. We mentioned it earlier back in the Scotland squad um, to kind of link the, the, those two talking points. This must be a crucial time for anyone who gets a call-up to the Scotland squad you know, as a replacement because... There's only a couple of opportunities left to, mm-hmm. to to get in front of Steve Clark in a Scotland training kit and show what you can do ahead of the Euros. Yeah, and I think we've seen for sort of maybe three, four, five camps in a row he was in there. He was a bit of a permanent fixture and, you know, he's found himself on the, on the sidelines over the last couple and I'm sure that's been frustrating for him. I think Lawrence would admit he's still in terms of his overall performances. I don't think he's played at his, his absolute top level in the first couple of months, even though he's still made a big impact. He's still played well in games. But I think over the last few games, I think he's really started to uh, to show that he formed throughout the uh, the campaign last season. He's obviously a massive player for us. I still badger on at the fact that, you know, if we're looking at Scotland strikers, we need a go in the last 10 minutes. For me, Lawrence Shanklin's one that you, yeah, you look towards a you know, I feel as if I'm picking on him a wee bit, but I'm certainly not. I don't feel as if I've seen enough of Jacob Brown to uh, to see what he offers to Scotland. I think he's only had one cap, and even then it was... No, so it's just yeah. so few, the minutes are so... There's so few, yeah. yeah. Well, but in terms of his club football, I've not really seen a lot of them, but obviously I see Lawrence every week, so I'm certainly going to be a bit biased towards that. Um, in terms of Hearts, I'm, I'm sure, you know, with the kind of standards and the expectation, there's, there's still... Um, yeah, you're right, you're pointing at the screen because you're... 
highlights are on the, the penalty not given. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's still sort of room for improvement there, but you know, it is another win. The league table, as tight as it is, positionally is not making mm-hmm. grim reading anymore. So, are things heading in the right direction? Yeah, yeah, I certainly feel so. Um, I think last week I, I was pointing out that the difference between fourth and second bottom was four points. Uh, obviously, that's just sort of down to it's not only us that's been a bit inconsistent in terms of our performances and our results this season. We've probably been lucky at the fact that it's only really St Murn that have put any significant run together. Uh, I think now over the last sort of three, four, five games, I think we've seen flashes of, of what we can be. Uh, I think the game against Livingston were all really comfortable. I thought... I, uh, the game against Motherwell in terms of an away performance in the league was really good uh, but I think it's just down to doing that in a more consistent manner uh, I think for me personally you know, when you keep the likes of a Lawrence Shackland a Liam Boyce fit I think them as a front two in this league is dangerous for anyone uh, I think the return of Benny Beningame seeing him getting fitter all the time as well and you talk about the international break being of benefit to people for us we've now got Craig Gordon Craig Halkett Back training, they're going to have another two weeks training. Hopefully, a couple of bounce games in that period, and Barry McKay on the way back as well. Yep, and you, you do know while you were playing about with Halliday's bench cam at the weekend, the cam in here, Gordon Duncan, caught out DL, didn't you? Oh, on the full time teaser. Full time teaser. Yeah. He's now mm-hmm. trying. He's tried to style it out, so he keeps getting the "Who am I?" questions really quickly, right, mysteriously quickly. So we left a question. The, the right question but with the wrong answer and we just left it lying around and then when we asked the question he was all buzzing because he thought he had got it but it was, the, it was the it was the trap <laughs> honestly um, Roger I mean there's so many talk I did say at the start of the show it was one of those nights we could almost have extended it um, and I find myself saying that most nights must get must get new new lines for the show um, I'm very very repetitive but um we could go on and on on the pitch. You know, brilliant, well done, Dundee. Um, yeah, big win for Hibs. Just something that at times over the years has, has been a massive story. Um, but such is the busyness of the night. Here we are trying to put it in at the end. Maybe we can elaborate tomorrow with financial experts uh, like Gordon Diel in the studio. Rangers released their annual accounts today. Um, it's a an operating profit of two hundred and fifty two thousand pounds. So clearly, I am no financial expert. It's clearly not. Brilliant. It's probably not the disaster that it's been in the past. It's a very, very small operating profit. I think if we're talking about the the kind of key lines or ideas, is the the emphasis that Rangers need to keep that player trading yeah, model. The, the, the thing it can't that, be a one off. Yeah, it needs to keep happening. Yeah, the accounts came out at four o'clock this afternoon, and the thing that jumped out to me immediately were the quotes from the chairman John Bennett talking about the need to step up the player trading model. Um, to bring players in, improve the players, sell them at a profit. Revenue is up to, I think it was something like £83 million. They wanted to go much higher than that. Um, profit is £252,000, I think. They wanted to go much higher than that. Yeah, because that and, includes that does include the, the sales, doesn't it, of Calvin Bassey and Joe Rebo this time? Yeah. Um, to be fair, it doesn't include then Kamara, Cholak, Sakala. Um, but it certainly doesn't include Kent or Morelos either, because they went for nothing. Yeah. So that is the thing that I think that John Bennett and the board, James Bisgrove and others, will want to improve upon. There will be an appointment um, of a director of football in the not-too-distant future, I suspect, to work alongside Philippe Clement and very high on the director of football's agenda will be an improvement and a more effective player trading model at Ibrox. 
Andy, that can be the reality. It doesn't mean that absolutely, critically, every window someone must be sold. But if you think in the summer as an example, again, the importance, there are only two major ways our clubs can earn big lump sums of money, sell a player for lots of money, or qualify for the Champions League. So mm-hmm. when it gets to the summer, and if you can't if you can't qualify for the Champions League, clearly the the, the pressure to to do that player trading thing kicks in even higher. Um, you, you wonder, you know, is is it, is it already? I know fans don't like to think this way, but the bean counters, if you like, thinking right, maybe it is Nicholas Raskin, maybe it, whoever I don't yeah. know. No, but no, but it's true. And uh, you know, Roger touched on it uh, uh, and I badgered on it as well about this director, uh, the sporting director role. You also don't get this influx of players leaving and coming going when there's a manager change. There's more of a you know a steady wave of managers coming in with similar values, similar traditions. There's not too much change. Another way to make money. Young players getting a chance. Ross McCausland coming in. Very hopefully true. see more of uh, the youth players getting a chance as well. Because like we see with Nathan Partson after 12 games. Big fee. The music's on. We're nearly out of time. But you need three more goalies. Start that yelling James, goalies. That James Tavernier's missed penalties against. I'm, I'm confident in one. And then I need Quick. My, I need my big mate. Daniel Backman. No. Segrist. No. Oof. You're not done with Aberdeen goalies. Uh, not Aberdeen, but Craig Gordon. No. The Keller current Rus. Aberdeen. Yep, Keller Rus. Simon, uh, Rangers got four penalties in one game at Ibrox yep, remember yep, yep. Two. he was a very good goalie went down south Vaslav Latke yep well done the last one you would never get and it's funny because the parody genuinely the parody account Gordon DL's unusually large nose has got this and they've googled it as well For, so you know, e- even his parody even account even his parody cheats. account acts like him because you wouldn't get this without googling unless you're, unless you're related to this former Dundee keeper this oh, is brutal, genuinely. Sandy Dieng? No, this is ludicrously hard. No. Ian no. Lawler. Oh, right. No. Nope. All right. night. We're back tomorrow at six. Speak to you then.